0: Many people would say that their wedding was one of the happiest moments of their life. The happy couple, friends and family gathered, food, photos, venue, music, everything to make the day as perfect as can be. Now imagine planning and paying for it all and having no one show up. So whatever happened to the wedding guests? Hi, my name is Lisa, and you're listening to the Whatever Happened podcast, where each episode, you'll hear a story, and together we'll attempt to answer that age-old question, whatever happened? Today, I'm going to read you a story about a wedding that didn't happen. Please enjoy. Enjoy. A friend sent me this post from Reddit a few weeks ago. The writing was beautiful and the story was captivating. As with most things we read on the internet, it holds our attention until the next story comes along. But not this one. I kept thinking about it. I reached out to the original poster and asked if they'd like to share the story here, but sadly my request went unanswered. I can only imagine how it must be to have this unanswered question for all these years. When for me, it's only been a few weeks. So I'd like to share this story here with you. And I'll post the link to the original post in the show notes. The title of the story is Wedding Coordinator Nightmare, Cobb Salads in the Void. So in my youth, I was a life cycle event coordinator. This wedding was pretty early on and one of the first I was running solo. 120 people. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. The bride and groom-to-be were both nice and easygoing. No discernible deep family trauma. No unresolvable seating arrangement issues. No therapy sessions in my office because cousin Kathy tried to sleep with whoever that one time. They were one of the couples I was sure were actually going to make it. Save the dates, invites, RSVPs. Seating cards, thank you cards, day of signage, bust a box, etc. All on theme and gorgeous. All sent out and received on time and on track. RSVPs, plus one issues, last minute celiacs, suddenly observant people needing last minute kosher meals. All within normal limits. Now the couple wanted something unique and that they wanted to get married in the room after dinner service during dessert. I advised them to do it after dessert to avoid forks clinking and nobody paying attention to the ceremony because ice cream crepes with coolie can be distracting. No problem. Good thinking. Day of, vendors all come and do their respective vendor things. No hiccups. The bride and groom arrive, and we get them situated in the suites with their maids and men. Makeup and hair people, both mothers bustling around busily. Room is set up, ready to rock. Kitchen is happy, no day of changes have been made to the event order. Everything's on track. 4 o'clock. Staff sent to the entrance for the event. Guests due to arrive for 4.30, and there's always early people. There's another wedding in the south wing with 300 guests. Signage is clear as to who goes where. No issues with wayward people yet. 4.15. Position wedding party for receiving line. Good to go. Grandma and grandpa arrive early, of course. 4.30. Another grandma and great-aunt Agnes come shambling in together. Nobody else coming down the chute gives me the hinky-diddies. 4.45. Nobody else has arrived. Nobody is lost in the parking lot. Signage is all up and visible. I take a bridesmaid and sneak her through the back way to look in on the larger party to see if she can spot any of our guests mixed into their reception. Nope. I pull the entire folder and check that the save the dates and the invites all have the correct date, time, and address. A color copy of the bride's master list spreadsheet is in there with all check marks and X's, notes, and scribbled edits made as the RSVPs came in. Something is wrong here. I assure the bride nothing is wrong. Maybe there's a blockage somewhere near, and traffic's held up. It's tractor season, after all. Five o'clock. Cousin Bethany and husband show up late. They're always late. They haven't seen anyone else, though. Dinner is set to start at 530 Nobody else arrives. The maid of honor and best man are using the spreadsheet info to call people who are supposed to be there and aren't. Nobody is answering. I am consumed by an overwhelming sense of dread. 5.30. Nobody else has arrived. Everyone in the reception area of the hall is in one of the five stages of grief. The staff waiting to wait are wondering what's what The chef is apoplectic. The bride and groom make the decision to start dinner. Everyone goes into the room full of empty tables, and people initially take their assigned seats. A few lonely people scattered amongst this glittering, candlelit, damask-swaddled wasteland. I move them all to one table. It doesn't help. I am as empty as the room. I can hear my pulse. 5:45. Nobody else is coming. Love is dead. The Cobb salad is being consumed in silence. The DJ, officiant, photographer, and videographer are all sitting at the vendor table eating Cobb salads. The brigade is at porthole windows looking in into the void of the room. We are the void. Cobb salad cannot fill the void. I watch for suspicious behavior. Someone here knows something. 6 p.m. The door to the room opens. Everyone in the room spins around to see who it is. It's just two giggling guests from the other party peeking in. The gregarious girls immediately stop giggling and gracelessly gallivant back to their gala and gaiety. This is the last straw. The bride finally cracks. She gets up fast enough to overturn her chair and runs crying from the room. 6.15 The bride is self-medicating with Stoli. I offer to set up the chuppah outside for them so they can at least have a nice ceremony. They're not Jewish, but the chuppah looks nice when it's covered with fabric and flowers and the weather is holding. I can have it done in 15 minutes with centerpiece flowers and a little moxie. I am desperate to salvage at least the ceremony. With creative angles, we can make it look like it's normal in photos. You have everyone you need here. I am rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. 6.30. The bride and groom decide to call it off. I offer to have the food, wedding cake, and dessert table desserts that they've already paid for In full four, box for them. They want none of it. Throw it out, donate it, give it to the other party. They don't want anything. Boxed individual meals and desserts are given to the hungry grandparents and cousin Bethany and hubby. The vendors all leave with piles of steak and lobster coquettes. The officiant isn't religious, so we can't even rely on him to take the rest to his flock. I remain vigilant during this time, watching the parents, Bethany, and dear Aunt Agnes, watching for any hint of suspicious behavior. My staff is hovering everywhere, tearing down, listening for anything. Nothing. 7 p.m. The suites are pretty much silent as the bride and groom put their civvies on. I've got staff listening at the doors, waiting to help, of course. Everyone is leaving. No dispute over anything. Everything, and I mean everything, was paid in full beforehand. Father of the Bride gives me an envelope with $500 in a card signed by both sets of parents with pre-recorded messages thanking me for all my hard work in making the day a success. The days after... Follow-up calls to everyone are ignored. Emails are ignored. No closure is had by anyone wondering what the fuck happened. The vendors were all paid in full with no explanation. The photographer gave the maid of honor the pictures, and no comment was made during the handoff. What I know to be true? Someone. Someone better than me at coordinating. Coordinated an attack on the bride or groom, or both, For reasons unknown, they coordinated 100 people not to attend the wedding. And 100 people went along with it without a single person spilling the beans. I, to this day, have no idea what they could have done to deserve it, or why so many friends and family would go along with it. I, to this day, still wonder about it. There was literally no indication at any stage beforehand that anything was amiss. I did creep them and everyone on their list occasionally for about a decade to see if I could find any clue about it, but nothing ever came up. I eventually lost the list and gave up on solving the mystery. It exists now only in the memories of those present and with you folks now. That's it. That's the wedding that never was. One of the most stressful and simultaneously easy events I ever executed. Alright guys, now that you've heard this story, I would love to hear what you are thinking. I've read a couple of theories in the comments about what may have happened, but one that I found interesting focuses on the fact that the couple wanted to wait until after dessert, but settled on after dinner, to get married? The person in the comments found the order of events to be strange and theorized that maybe the couple did this on purpose as they were looking for an out. But what are your thoughts? I would love to hear them. Please send me your feedback at whateverhappenspodcast2023 at gmail.com or you can find this and other ways to get in contact in the show notes. And if there's something in your life that you've wondered about what happened, let me know. Maybe we can find out together. As for this episode, that'll do it. And until next time, guys, thanks for listening. And reach out with any and all theories. I would love to hear them. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today and want to know more, please go to whateverhappenspodcast.com. There as well as the show notes, you can find ways to support the show. And you can also just give us a review, tell a friend. It all helps. So thank you for listening. And until next time, I'm Lisa. Have a great day.